0: Good to be back in the Lord's house tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity. Appreciate the church, uh, Brother Casey, and uh, the committee for allowing me the opportunity. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a little different. My lesson, uh, let's just put it this way. When you call an alternate and uh, tell him to be an alternate, I don't know how to be an alternate to eight lessons. And uh, so I started praying. And asking the Lord what he would want, and he put name on my heart. And so uh, the uh, committee and the church graciously allowed me uh, the opportunity to study that and to present that tonight. And so I need your prayers uh, each and every time we try to stand. I do want to tell Brother Moran that I really appreciate his lesson tonight and all the lessons before, and uh, I've learned a lot uh, through these lessons And it's important for us to study, as he pointed out earlier, the whole counsel of God. Not just pick and choose, maybe the easier books and things that are easier to study, uh, but we need to know the whole Word of God and what it has for us, and everything is beneficial for us. So, you pray for me tonight as we try to begin in this lesson. Uh, As I said earlier, our lesson tonight is on Nahum, and uh, if you want to find that in uh, the Scriptures, uh, that... uh, It's a couple of of books past uh, Jonah, and it's also past Micah. It's uh, one of the smaller books in the Bible as well. And uh, so as we're turning that way, I've got a couple of support scriptures to help our lesson tonight. And one of them, Brother Moran already quoted, and I love the way the Lord works. Some of the things He already said tonight will go along with our lesson tonight, and that's just the way the Spirit of God works. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Of course, Nahum, uh, here he's talking of the judgment of Nineveh. Now this hell, uh, it's not the hell as far as the flames of hell, it's Sheol, or the place of the dead, or the unseen state, is what that hell translates to. And the first verse says, the burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. Nahum 1 and 1. Of course, our objective in this lesson is to study the book of Nahum and what was God's purpose in using Him in the Holy Writ for the time then and our benefit now. The book of Nahum was most likely written sometime around 626 to 612 BCE, the date uh, of the destruction of Nineveh. And I've got a picture of Assyria there uh, because that's who uh, Nahum was really talking to. Was the Assyrian people. Uh, Nahum in the Hebrew is uh, nachem and it means it's comfortable and comes from the Hebrew word nachem, which means repent and also comfort. And comfort comes from with strength. Now, true repentance towards God brings about great comfort from Him, doesn't it? We finally repent. Now, He had a burden. Uh, I'm glad that people still get burdens. Uh, Preachers need burdens from the Lord. He had a burden. And the word Hebrew is massa, and it means an utterance or an oracle or a weighty message. And no doubt, Nahum was heavily burdened with the weight of his message from the Lord. Nahum was from the town of Elkosh, which according to the historians was probably a village in Galilee. We don't know a lot about it. It's also possible that the town of Capernaum was named from Nahum. However, we don't find Elkosh anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, Nahum, I believe, when you read this book, uh, he was not only burdened with speaking to Nineveh, uh, I believe he was also talking to the children of Israel. He was talking to uh, Judah and Israel in this account that we can read of Nahum. Now we're talking about the judgment of Nineveh, so I felt it necessary to share with you uh, judgment. According to Webster's 1828 dictionary, judgment is in law the sentence of doom pronounced in any case, any cause, civil or criminal by the judge or court by which it is tried. Webster also says judgment is a remarkable punishment and extraordinary calamity inflicted by God on sinners. Uh, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. It's important to know that. Uh, Anybody that reads about Nineveh, there's going to be some things you're going to think about when you think about Nineveh. Uh, If you read the end of Jonah, when God spared Nineveh, we know that it was an exceeding great city that had about six score thousand persons that didn't discern between their right hand and their left hand. What that means is there was about 120,000, most likely, I believe, is talking about children, is who it's talking about. So it was a really big city. Uh, And so it gives you a good description. And that was 150 years before Nahum was even doing the speaking here. Now Assyria comes from the Hebrew Asher, Asher, uh, which is successful. Also the Assyrians descended from the second son of Shem, Asher, who built Nineveh. Now I want to get into the book here if we can. And if you'll allow me to, I want to... Uh, share some of what I feel like it's talking about in each chapter, and then we'll go back and read some of each chapter, if not all of it. It's not a very big book, and I just help, it helps us to understand what's going on here. Uh, the first chapter here shows us that there is no one like our God. And there was no one like Nahum's God. Uh, and that was really important to tell the Assyrian people, because they didn't worship the one true living God. They worshipped all these other gods and were an idolatrous nation. And so Nahum wanted to tell them who God was. And he's not one to mess with, is basically what he's telling them in these first few verses of the first chapter. He says in the second verse, God is jealous, the Lord and the Lord revengeth. He says again, Any time you hear something twice, uh, you really need to take note of that. The Lord's trying to make a point in His Word. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on His adversaries, and He reserveth wrath for His enemies. Uh, That was that second verse. Now what does it mean that God is jealous? Uh, Brother Moran made mention of this earlier. In the Hebrew word, Quanna, and the word refers directly to the attributes of God's justice and holiness, as He is the sole object of human worship and does not tolerate man's sin. Uh, we need to make sure that if we're going to worship somebody, we need to be worshiping the Lord. An example of God's jealousy is found in Exodus 20 and 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I the Lord... Thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Again, another scripture Brother Moran made reference to. Uh, also, besides jealous here, he's, he's explaining who God is. Remember, who is Nan talking to? He's talking to the Assyrian people. He's talking to Nineveh. He said, God is jealous. He also revengeth. And he, he says it twice. Revenge, the Hebrew word is naquam, which means to avenge or take vengeance, punish. A couple examples that Nahum most likely would have known about from the Old Testament are in Deuteronomy 32 and 35, To me belongeth vengeance, and recompense. Their foot shall, sl- shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. Also, in Deuteronomy 32 and 43, Rejoice, O ye nations, with His people, for He will avenge the blood of His servants and will render vengeance to His adversaries and will be merciful unto His land and to His people. Also, God's revenge is expressed in Romans 12 and 19. You can turn and read that. In Nahum 1 and 5 through 6, it shows us a brief image of, Of when God returns to destroy the entire world in his justice, as we see in 2 Peter, 3rd chapter. Nahum in 1 and 7 through 15 expresses the goodness of God to them that trust in him, but the punishment and vengeance due to his enemies. He also calls out the wicked counselor, most likely the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, and makes the people aware of his fate. This chapter finishes with hope for God's people. A messenger is bringing great news. Uh, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, I believe that Nahum, even though he was presenting a message of punishment and of judgment for the people of Nineveh and the Assyrians, uh, there's still good news. There's still opportunity uh, for people to be saved today. Now, uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case for the people of Nineveh and the people of Assyria. Now, I want you to listen as we read some of these Scriptures and get into Nahum. He says, "...the burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious." I don't read a whole lot of times in the Scripture where it says God is furious, but He was furious with the condition of the people here. The Lord will, it's a promise, take vengeance on His adversaries, and He reserveth wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath His way in the whirlwind, and in the storm, and His clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebuketh the sea, and maketh it dry, and drieth up the rivers. Bashan languisheth, in Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Uh, And who can abide the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Uh, Listen, he was telling them, uh, Nahum was telling these Assyrian people, uh, and we're going to get into who they thought that they were. They thought that they were really something. Uh, They had grown to be, if not the most powerful nation in the world at this time, and God showed them they're still under His thumb. He's still on His throne, and He's still the most powerful being that there ever was and ever will be. And He needed to prove to them who that He was. And that's what Nahum is talking about. Uh, but also, the Lord is good. A stronghold. That's A lot of these things you'll catch. Uh, I believe he was not only trying to warn uh, the Ninevites and the Assyrians of the impending doom. I believe he was also in the same messages encouraging the people of God. I know you've been... Uh, Under this uh, horrible Assyrian leader, he's been taunting me. He's been going against me. But I'm still good. I want to be good to you. I want to provide for you and take care of you. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trust in Him. But with an overrunning flood, He will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue His enemies." Uh, what do ye imagine against the Lord? He will make an uttering. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. Uh, he was telling them, When I'm done, I'll be done. There won't be any more. For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble, fully dry. There is one come out against thee, and imageth uh, evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, Though they be quiet, and likewise many, there were a great number of people, yet thus shall they be cut down. When he shall pass through, though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now will I break his yoke from off thee, and will burst thy bonds in sunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of Him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feast, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. Do you see his uh, his change in who he's speaking to? Uh, Not only was he speaking... Uh, to Nineveh and the people of Assyria, he's saying there's good news. There's good news. These wicked people that have been persecuting you, that have been trying to destroy you and captivate you, uh, there's good that's coming your way. I'm going to take vengeance upon them. Isn't it good that one of these days, the devil and all of his wicked workers all those that rise up against the Lord, they've got a day of vengeance coming upon them. God is He's going to render what's due to them. And the righteous shall shine forth. God will take care of those things. He won't leave things undone. I've got to move along. Uh, I want to skip, go on down uh, to the next page there of the second chapter. Uh, in Nahum 2, God explains Nineveh and the Assyrian people's destruction. God encourages the Assyrians through Nahum to keep the munition, which is the Hebrew word Metshurah, which means fortification or fence city, stronghold. They were no doubt planned to stand strong in their seemingly impenetrable city, but they will fall. According to Moore, uh, the river wall on the Tigris, the west uh, defense of Nineveh, was a 4,530 yards long and on the north, south and east sides there were large moats capable of being easily filled with water. I tried to find uh, maybe a picture to show you this, but I couldn't do that. Uh, So I, I hope you can see the way that Nineveh was. To me, it was like an old castle. Uh, they had these waters that could go gather around them to protect them, uh, and they were surrounded by that, and if they needed to, they could direct that water completely around them to protect them from the enemies. Uh, Listen, traces of dams regulating uh, the supply are still visible so that the whole city could be surrounded with a water barrier. Besides, on the east, the weakest side, it was further protected by a lofty double rampart with a moat 200 feet wide between its two parts cut into the rocky ground. The moats or canals flooded by the Ninevites before the siege to repel the foe were made a dry bed to march into the city by the foe turning the waters into a different channel as Cyrus did in the siege of Babylon. Now let's turn and read some of this second chapter so you can see what it's talking about. He that dasheth in pieces is come up before thy face. Who is that? That's the Lord. He's the one. He brings justice. He brings judgment. Keep the munition. Strengthen your city, He's telling them. Watch the way. Make thy loins strong. Fortify thy power mightily. For the Lord hath turned away the excellency of Jacob, has the excellency of Israel for the emptier's have emptied them out and marred their vine branches. Uh, Israel had grown proud about who they were. They had sinned against God, and so God used this Assyrian enemy to put them in their place. God did that throughout history. Uh, That Just like He was going to do years later with the Babylonians uh, to the children of Israel because of their continual sin. Jeremiah told them about they were going to be punished for that sin. God did that through the Assyrians. Uh, It says, "...the shield of His mighty men is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots shall be uh, with flaming torches in the day of His preparation. And the fir trees shall be terribly shaken. Uh, The chariots shall rage in the streets. They shall jostle one against another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run uh, like the lightnings. He shall recount His worthies. They shall stumble... In their walk, they shall make haste to the wall thereof, and the defence shall be prepared. The gates of the rivers shall be opened, and the palace shall be dissolved. And Hazu, Haz, Huzab shall be led away captive, and he shall be and she shall be brought up, and her maid shall lead her as with the voice of the doves t- doves tabering upon their breast. But Nineveh is of old like a pool of water; yet they shall flee away. Stand, stand, shall they cry, but none shall look back. He's telling them, get your city fortified. Get it ready. Get it prepared. It doesn't matter what you do. You can prepare it. Judgment is still coming. Take ye the spoil of silver. Take the spoil of gold, for there is none end of the store and the glory. Out of all the pleasant furniture, they had grown rich from the spoils of the, uh, the cities and the countries that they had conquered. He says, she is empty and void and waste, and the heart melteth, and the knees smite together, and much pain is in all loins, and the faces of them all gather blackness. Where is the dwelling of the lions, and the feeding of the young lions? Where the lion and the old lion walked, and the lions whelped, and none made them afraid. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps, and strangled for his lionesses, and filled his holes with prey and his dens with raven. He says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour the young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, and the voice of thy messengers shall no more be heard. He is letting them know what he's fixing to do. He doesn't mean, he means business. He means business. Nahum chapter 3. God explains the reasons for His judgments to be brought. This is a very important chapter. For the reasons for His judgments to be brought upon the Assyrian people and what He plans to do to them to bring them to shame. Nahum 3 and 4 through 6 says, Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts that selleth nations through her whoredoms, and families through her witchcrafts, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee, and make thee vile, and will set thee as a gazing stock. He compares them to Noaman, uh, who also was very populated, strong and situated among the rivers like them, yet she fell 2. He again encourages the Assyrian people to fortify and strengthen themselves, however it will be to no avail. They will be punished and destroyed as a nation. You can see that. and uh, It says, Woe to the bloody city! It is uh, all full of lies and robbery. Thy prey departeth not. The noise of the whip and the noise of the rattling of the wheels and the prancing horses and the jumping chariots... The horseman lifteth up both the bright sword and the glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, that's important, and a great number of carcasses, and there is none end to their corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. They were so great and so mighty. Uh, And the reason for God's punishment upon them was this fourth verse, because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, of the mistress of witchcrafts, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. I tell you, not only did they uh, capture uh, the children of Judah, and they were wanting to capture the whole uh, state of Israel and all the people that were there. Uh, They made the people to follow after their gods and to follow after their witchcrafts. And they got into families. And we heard a week ago about the family and how important it is. I believe it's so important that it's the first institution that God set up. And that's close to His heart how the family is. And He meant business with Nineveh and with the Assyrian people. And He said, You have corrupted the families is what you've done through your witchcrafts. It displeases God. And judgments will come about that. He says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face. That was a sign of a woman or a harlot that had been known to commit whoredom and do these things. They would throw her skirt above her face to embarrass her, to make her a spectacle to other people. He says, I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. Uh, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee. Uh, That's basically saying I'll cast dung upon you. Uh, You are no good to me. Uh, I will deal with you, and I'll put you in your place. You have been so proud and so arrogant for thinking what you are. I'll show you who you are. You've sinned against me. He says, And I will set thee as a gazing stock, and it shall come to pass that all they that look upon thee shall flee from thee, and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemoan her? Whence shall I seek comforters for thee? Art thou better than populous No. Again, Noamon, that was situated among the rivers, that had waters round about it, whose rampart was the sea, and her wall was from the sea, much like Nineveh was. He says, Ethiopia and Egypt were her strength, and it was infinite. Hut and Lubim were thy helpers, yet was she carried away. She went into captivity. Her young children also were dashed in pieces at the top of all the streets, and they cast lots for her honorable men. And all her great men oh, were bound in chains. I'm going I'm to skip the rest of this chapter for the sake of time and let you read that if you want to. If we have time, we might go back and get it. Uh, but for the sake of time, there's some things I really feel like that we need to cover tonight. As we get on down into this lesson, God was letting them know about the judgments that were coming to them, that were coming their way. We'll get back and I want to read, I do want to read the rest of that chapter later if the Lord allows me to, if there's time. When you think of Nineveh, what comes to your mind? For me, I think of Jonah. I think of Jonah immediately. First thing comes to my mind, I think of Jonah. From a child, we're taught of a place called Nineveh where a famous preacher, and he's famous because it seems like that's very well talked about. Famous preacher named Jonah finally preached a sharp warning to that great city. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jonah was about 150 years before Nahum. No doubt, Nahum knew about the repentance of Nineveh and God's mercy extended to them. However, what happened within the 150 years after the people of Nineveh repented? Do you remember Jonah's response? He got there and went out to the outside of the city and sat under uh, there to get a little bit of shade sat under that gourd there that God made to grow up in a day, and he sat there waiting for the city to be destroyed, because he preached the message, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And he got out there hoping that God would destroy them. He was a Jew, he hated the Gentiles, and he just didn't really want to be there. But you know what? I'm glad we serve a merciful God. He was merciful to those people. God said, shall I not spare this great city? Shall I not spare it? Wherein are those six score? Thousand persons that can't even discern between the right hand and their left hand. God was merciful, but eventually that mercy was going to run out. Most historians agree that Nahum was writing addressing Hezekiah's reign in Judah with the Assyrian host led by King Sennacherib, planning to capture and enslave them. You want a good read in the Word of God? Read about Hezekiah, his reign there, about Sennacherib trying to come and take over them. And you can find that in Second Kings 18 and 19 for the sake of time, and also in Isaiah chapter 37. I won't read all of that for you tonight, but I encourage you, uh, to get a better picture of what we're talking about in Naam's time, study those things uh, of how Hezekiah, uh, he went before the Lord and did the right thing. Uh, the greater sin, I believe, in which Sennacherib and the Assyrian host did wasn't their desire to capture and enslave the people of God, but their pride and railing against the Lord. They were so boastful about going against God. They were taunting the people of God. Uh, They uh, were just continually putting God down and said, well, uh, all the gods that we went up against before, uh, they couldn't deliver uh, the people from them. We were able to just squash them like a bug. And is your God any different? I want you to know our God is different. He is above all gods. Uh, He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you don't talk to Him in that way. You just don't do it. He said, he was the, the king's messenger or his spokesman. He spoke to the Jews in their language on the wall to discourage them and also sent a letter from King Sennacherib to Hezekiah to discourage him and rail against the Lord. At this time, the Assyrian people and nation had become one of, if not the strongest nations in the world." They had been able to defeat all their other enemies. Just eight years earlier, Sennacherib had carried away much of the children of Israel from Samaria. He wanted all Judah and especially Jerusalem. Hezekiah in his distress did the best thing that he could do. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. That's what we need to do. When we don't know what else to do, Hezekiah was surrounded. They were ensieged by the Assyrian army. Uh, they were uh, discouraging the people. The people were afraid. And Hezekiah was trying to encourage them. Trying to do the best that he could. But he was fearful. The enemy was coming. And so you know what he did? He called up his, buddy, uh, his good friend Isaiah and said, Isaiah, we need to pray. We need to pray. God has to help us. And he did. He spread it out before the Lord, laid that letter out before the Lord. I'm telling you, these laws that they're passing in our country, things that are going directly against the Word of God and against God Himself, we need to spread them out before the Lord. Just lay them out at His feet and let Him deal with them and let us know what we need to do. Hezekiah and Isaiah trusted in the Lord for deliverance. And praise God, he delivered again. The angel of the Lord destroyed 185,000. They didn't even have to fight the battle. God fought it for them. I'm telling you today, God is still all powerful. He meant business with these Assyrians. He fought the battle for them. Listen. Fought that the hundred and eighty-five thousand of the Assyrian army, Sinacharib went home with his tail between his legs at home in the house of his God Nisroch. You can find this in Nahum the first chapter in the fourteenth verse. Uh, his own sons killed him. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles, as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before Him are as nothing, and they are accounted to Him less than nothing and vanity. Did you notice the Scripture? It said all nations. That means even us. We better realize where we stand with the Lord. He's still in charge. Nahum knew about what had happened with Judah and Assyria and describes vividly many of the occurrences during Hezekiah's reign. He warns of God's impending final judgment upon Assyria. He also shares of God's goodness upon His people, even even though for periods of time He allowed them to be punished through their enemies and capture and treatment of them. He will continually take care of and be with them. Why would God not allow for time for repentance like He did in Jonah's day? What was so different with the condition of Nineveh and Assyria now compared to 150 years earlier? I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time and for, there for every purpose and for every word. Ecclesiastes 3 and 17. I believe Assyria had forgotten God. What did we read for our supporting text? All nations that forget God are turned to hell. Not only had they forgotten His goodness and His mercy towards them, they had continued to draw away many of the people of God to the worship of their gods and partake in their sins. God could not uh, continue to allow the Assyrian people to live in such sin and rejection of Him. The judgment was due and rewarded by our holy God to this people. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil whether it be evil. This Scripture here is very important. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. But it shall not be well with the wicked neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There's a lot of people in this world today that think they are getting by with sin. Uh, Sometimes God's people think that. And we ought to be careful and realize uh, that God will make all things right. Uh, Even if you are a sinner saved by God's grace, you can't just continue to live in sin. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, God forbid that you were to do that. Uh, we know better if we are a child of God. Uh, but for those that have continually rejected and resisted the Lord, uh, you may be here tonight and lost and separated from God. You say this in the revival service. If you're here tonight, and you've put salvation off, and you've put the Lord off, and you've rejected Him, I want you to know uh, that those rejections are sin against God. He gave the very best that He had. His only begotten Son. And when you reject Him, that is a sin against Him, and eventually, your sins will find you out. It's going to be too late one of these days. Listen, we've got to be careful. These people, they thought that they could keep living the way they wanted to live. Sound familiar? We live in a society today that says, go do what you want to, do what you feel like, do what makes you happy. That's just not scriptural, folks. That's not right. And that's where our country has headed for a long time. Many times in our lives, we see people who seem to be wicked prospering. Seems like everything goes right for them. And we continually struggle each and every day. We need not fret. Justice will be served. We must run our race and trust God will make every wrong right. I want to read a few of these verses. I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time. But in the 73rd chapter of Psalms, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they play like other are. Their pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than a heart could wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore His people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy people. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I started thinking about how they were until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. You see, we don't understand. Brother Brian made mention of why. We ask why a lot of times. Why it seems like so many people have it so good, yet they live so wickedly and we just struggle along. You know what? This world is not meant to be uh, the season of blessings, as Brother Skinner told me up here at WKU years ago. We're not in the season of blessings. We're here to labor, here to work. There's coming a day where we'll get our reward, folks. And they'll get theirs too. Those that have sinned and rejected God, there's judgment coming for them, just like the people of Nineveh this day. He says in the 24th verse, Thou shalt guide me with Thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. You read that whole chapter when you have some time. But the Lord's going to take care of His. He's going to take care of us. Also, Uh, I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, The Lord lets us know that there's a lot of sinful people that have given themselves uh, wholly to those sins. Men uh, with men and women with women uh, doing things that uh, were unscriptural. And God uh, in time just had to give them over to a reprobate mind is what it says in Romans 1 and 28. That means they're abandoned to sin. They're lost. That's what it seems like to me happened to Nineveh and the people of Assyria. We definitely serve a long-suffering and merciful God. However, He will eventually judge the righteous and the wicked. I'm very concerned with the sinfulness and lack of repentance from individuals and from our country as a whole. Assyria was warned once again of God's judgment upon them. They neglected to repent their dominating power pride allies and strength of the fortified city made them feel unbreakable sound familiar we have grown and been blessed to be I believe the greatest nation on the face of the earth I am so grateful and thankful for this country that we live in. I'm thankful for those that have fought for our freedoms. I'm thankful for those who are still fighting for our freedoms. But don't dare allow us uh, as God's people, the born-again believers that know the right way to lift ourselves up with pride uh, to the point of thinking that God uh, will not do with us as He did with the Assyrian people. He's able. Uh, to do with us as He will. Do we not remember what Isaiah said? uh, That the nations are just a drop in the bucket before Him. I'm so thankful to have been born and raised here in this country, the greatest country in the world, to have the freedoms that we have. And yet, what have we done to her? We have ran her, not just us, but everybody. We have ran her in a place where she doesn't need to be. Assyrian people had gone so cold, they had forgotten about Jonah, they'd forgotten about the repentance, they'd forgotten about what God had delivered them from. About 612 BCE, Babylon, with the Medes, I left that out, you can add that in, they also helped destroy Nineveh. Destroyed the Assyrian people in Nineveh. History tells us that's what happened. I'm so thankful for the land of this free and the home of the brave. But has she become another Assyria? Will our sinfulness and lack of repentance bring about the judgments of God upon her? He most certainly would be just with the previous circumstances and current sinful state of our nation to punish us as He did Assyria. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what will the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? I'm glad God still sends messages like from an old man from the wilderness that says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Still sends messages to us as God's people. You here tonight are the salt of the earth. We are are called out to be the salt, the preserving factor. And I have to believe that the reason that God has been so gracious to this country that we so love his because of the remnant that is held on, the salt that has preserved her for all these years. But if salt is not any good, uh, it is cast out and trodden under the foot of men. It's good for nothing. So let us be the preserving factor that continues to allow this nation that we love uh, that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren may still be able to hear the Gospel. Assyria failed. Nineveh failed. Took 150 years. Hadn't taken that long, has it? Jesus said, except you repent, he shall all likewise perish. Brother Moran made mention to nations as whole that they needed to repent. Unfortunately, nations as a whole can perish. It can happen. If we, God's people, the ones that know the right way, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, we're we're fine. I'm where I need to be. Are you? I'm not where I need to be. I desire a closeness with the Lord. I know that not just I have sinned. I feel like Nehemiah... he went up to the Lord, he and Ezra, and they said, Lord, we are not the only ones that have sinned, but our fathers have sinned, and that's why we're in the condition that we're in. Because we've sinned. We need to recognize our sin and then do something about it. What do we do? We need to repent. Need to repent. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. There's coming a judgment one of these days. Coming the end. And the reapers are the angels, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world, and I believe it sooner than we realize The Son of Man shall send forth His angels and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Judgment is coming. Judgment came for the Ninevites. came. But the Assyrians, where are they today? Not around anymore. You say, we'll always be around. We don't have to be. I see a drastic change. You want to see our country and see how much we don't appreciate what we have. Go to a foreign country. Go on a mission trip. I was about 18 years old. And I went to Jamaica out of this country the first time. I witnessed little people that had nothing, people all around, hop on the back of a little Isuzu pickup truck, about 30 or 40 of them, ride for miles and miles to a little church with no air conditioning, open air, and come with big smiles on their face. And they got down and they worshipped God. I watched a little 15-year-old boy a few years younger than me said, sing a song for me. And I sang a song that I was praying for him and I watched tears flow down his face. And I saw him come under conviction and seek God for the salvation of his soul. And God saved him there that day. I saw a people that were hungry for the Word of God. Hungry for the Gospel. Folks, don't let us Go so far away that we don't desire the Lord. His presence, His Word, desire Him. That's the way it used to be here. People would go for miles and miles. They didn't have anything. They would ride on a carriage. They'd walk for miles to come to hear the Gospel because they wanted it. Folks, don't allow what we have to slip through our hands. Don't allow what God has blessed us with to go away. God bless you is our prayer. Thank you for listening tonight. Hope you got something out of this lesson. Didn't mean to get to preaching. That's just who I am. Can't help who I am. God bless you. Go ahead, Brother Casey.
1: Appreciate this, good brother. Appreciate the lesson tonight. Appreciate the thoughts the Lord's laid on his heart. Uh, I think a common theme here our last several nights have been judgment, judgment, judgment. And uh, I pray. Uh, I, I still am like Brother Luke. I still believe we live in the greatest country in the world, uh, a country that uh, founded upon the principles of God's word. And I love this country. Uh, But uh, things are different. Uh, They're different even from when I was just a little boy. Uh, I remember it seemed like uh, we made time for one another and things were just different. Uh, But we live in a fast past life now. And uh, we need to slow down. And I'm talking about me. We need to slow down and examine the Word of God and ask Him to be present in our lives. I certainly believe that God's big enough that he can heal our country. Do y'all? I do. I sure do. Love you tonight.